This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field. Going back, Hernandez at the track right to the wall. Gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone. Oh, Tani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. That's right. It is time for a little A's Cast Live as we're getting you ready for the athletics against the Detroit Tigers, where the schedule makers have done us and the Tigers absolutely no good. I think the Tigers are playing something like 34 games in 35 days. The A's, obviously, 15 games in 13 days. And now it's going to be five games in four days into Detroit. A lot of people, you know, we talked to Mark Kotze on the Mark Kotze show last Friday. He's never seen it in his career. Two doubleheaders this week. Got the doubleheader tomorrow, the doubleheader on Saturday back home against the Angels. Isn't it amazing how just... What? How many days did we miss of the season? A week? Just a little over a week? Commander, good uh, good Monday to you. What did we miss, like eight days? Yeah, well, the season was supposed to start on April 1st. We started on April 8th, so seven days. R- really? Th- that seven days? Is this much panic in the schedule? And then you throw on all the bad weather in the Midwest, and then you got what we got now. Teams playing just... An obscene amount of baseball in a row in front of not a lot of people. Like, watching these makeup games, watching the game earlier today, I don't know how many people got to watch it. Uh, Nestor Cortez had a no-no going at Yankee Stadium against the Rangers. I was at the gym watching the game, and Yankee Stadium's empty. So, essentially what baseball is telling us, they're saying, we do not care about fans and and stadiums being packed. Get the games, get them on TV, get the TV money, pack them all in together. That's all that matters. That's what essentially they're telling us. Because obviously, if you said, "Hey, we're going to do a Monday," was this a was this a they playing two today at Yankee Stadium? No, they played two yesterday. So I think. They maybe are having a wraparound series. It's really weird when they play these Monday games after having like Friday through Monday. It's so odd. Like the schedule, mate. Like when you're looking at it, you're going, who does this benefit having nobody in the stadium on a Monday morning? Um, so maybe that was already a planned day because I know we've had those before against the Yankees. 
But over the weekend, I mean, you're looking at all these double headers, and it's like, what it's screaming for, and we're not going to get this. I would love to get this, but we're not going to get this. This is screaming for 142 games, right? Like, even the weather's bad now in May, but starting in May, not in April. Like, having spring training in April. I mean, it's really what it's doing. You're, like, condensing 162. All you had to do was have a problem for a week, and it's caused absolute chaos with the schedules. I mean, how do you keep up with your team? You're playing so many games. Like, what is the benefit tomorrow of playing two games in Detroit on a Tuesday? You got benefit for that? Can you give me one benefit that the A's will have or the Tigers will have, probably more importantly, since it's their home game? Can you tell me what a benefit is to play two games on a Tuesday when kids are in school, people have to work? Like, Well, that's probably not going to be that great. Like what? 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 Who? Who? I, I'm not benefiting off this, but forget about me. I, I'm back in California. I mean, you got kids are in school. People got to work. You're playing two games on a Tuesday. When does the first game start? Uh, ten ten a.m. Ten ten our time. So, so one o'clock. One ten Eastern. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's like, what are we doing here? Got to cram all these games in, and it just goes to show the attendance doesn't matter. I'll never forget this. I was doing a show with my old partner, Rick Buecher. Obviously, Rick was super connected from all his time at ESPN and running ESPN the magazine back when it was still alive, where Adam Silver was the not, – not the – not – I can't remember what all these guys' titles are underneath underneath the commissioner. He was the deputy commissioner. He was deputy commissioner under David Stern, but I don't know what, like – like, who's the right-hand man in baseball? What's his title? Isn't he? Uh, I don't even know who it is, nor do I care. But the point is, Adam Silver, who's now the commissioner, was the deputy commissioner. And Adam Silver went on the record. Yeah, deputy commissioner is Dan Halem. Oh, he is deputy yeah, commissioner, yeah. too? Because they're deputies. That's what it says here. They're not the sheriff. They're deputies. I'm, I'm just saying, yeah, he's the de- deputy commu- uh, commissioner, uh, yeah, under Rob, Rob Manfred. So... Adam Silver went on record back then on ESPN the magazine talking about how attendance isn't the end-all, be-all for the NBA. That the NBA, the big thing for the NBA is television, their business overseas. Merch was becoming such a big deal in China. Their business with China, business in the United States, like – whether you had 18,000 or you had 10,000 in the arena, does it help? Sure. Luxury boxes sold? Help? Yeah. But that's not your main source of revenue. And when you start running a doubleheader on a Tuesday, when kids are still – I mean, it's one thing if you did it in summertime. But obviously the scheduling, you got to make it work when you got to make it work. But, I mean, how many people are going to Comerica on a Tuesday in May? Still quite early May. What is today the ninth? Tomorrow's the 10th? I mean, I, I as someone who has kids, my kids are in school. Like, if this was in Oakland, yeah, I'd be there. You'd be there. But what, I'm not taking my kids out of school. Bless you. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I mean, I get, I mean, you are seeing history with Miguel Cabrera, but, I mean, how many kids are skipping school? Ah, 
Not really anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, he got the 3,500 and 600 doubles. That's what Willie Mays and who's the other person on the list? No, 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 no. Willie Mays is not there. There's only one guy that's got the old home runs, doubles, and uh, hits. Is that Henry Aaron? That'd be the great Henry Aaron. They're in a class by themselves. That's pretty good. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah. I, I, I had it the other day knowing that we were going to be taking on the Tigers, where it was like, what this guy has done, when you talk 3,000 hits, 500 home runs, 600 doubles, it just is like mind-blowing how much this guy has hit and what a productive machine he has been for all these years. But with that said, both these teams are not very good. And Miggy, you want a slash line since he recorded his – 3,000th hit? You want to take a guess what his slash slash line is? Your average, you're on base, and you're slugging. Mm, let's see. I'll say I'll just take a random guess of 210, 350, and 420. 210, 350, 420? Uh, no, three, yeah, 350. 350 on base. What were you at for slugging? Uh, what did I say? 420? That seems a bit high. I'll do 380. It's not really that bad. I mean, we're talking, Are about, you one serious? All, talking about one of the all-time greats here. Uh, he's batting a buck 90. Okay, not doesn't bat off that much on the average. On base is 244. Okay, that's bad. His slugging's 286. All You're right. not even in the ballpark how bad he's been. Because that's not even, what is it? That's, if my math is correct, that's somewhere in the 500s combined for his OPS. Yes, it's that's, terrible. That's not very good. I don't have any good news, by the way. I mean, I wish I, you know, I wish I had something to sell here. Well, you can sell that Luis Barrera is back. I wish I had something to sell here. Uh, Billy McKinney, former number one pick by the A's, has been released. Luis Barrera is back. We saw him last year. Um, I guess one thing that I'd be happy about that is he makes contact since the rest of his teammates really don't. Um, the Christian Pache experiment continues to go south. It's getting scary. And I don't know why I'm the only one that's talking about it. Not afraid to talk about it. And I'll mention it after games. I'll mention it now. I care about the kid. I care about him mentally. I know physically what he is. I care about him mentally. I'm worried. I really am. He's hitting 121 the last 20 games. 121. Three weeks. Folks, three weeks, he's hit 121. He's won for his last 26, and if you remember that one, my memory serves correctly, that is an infield hit down the line. Urshela caught it. Is it going to be fair or foul? And he beat it out. A chopper to third base is his only hit in the last 26 ABs. and the last three weeks, he's hit 121. That's called not competitive. He has not been competitive. Two days ago, he's over three with three Ks. Like, how far into the abyss are you going to let him drop? Have we seen the lineup today? Is he in the lineup today? Let me check. I know the lineup is out. I think uh, our friend Martin Gallegos said the lineup. Like, is I'm out. not going to be I, I shocked if he's not in the lineup. And then it's like, okay, he's not in the lineup. Like, what are you doing for him to help him? He's hitting 121 for three weeks. He is completely over. Matched. Kemp, Noisy, Loriano, Murphy, Brown, Pinder, 
Kevin Smith, who has the A's only home run in the month of May. Elvis, Luis Barrera. So no Christian Pache yeah. today. He's because he's lost. So you got to ask yourself, how many more offers before you have to really decide what's best for this kid? And I wish we weren't talking about that. I mean, to me, Seth Brown hitting a buck 56 his last 21 games, non-factor. Right? We're at a point to where we have to be honest with you, the fans, that now we're really looking to the future. They've lost nine in a row. Last time you lost ten in a row, if you want to go back in the history of the Oakland Athletics, we all remember this time. It was a very depressing time. I'll never forget that offseason – Jamile Weeks was ushered into my talk show. He's the future. He's the untouchable. He's what the A's are building around. The A's had just gone 81 and 81. If you remember that four-game sweep at the end of the year against the Seattle Mariners, I think I think your good friend Derek Barton <laughs> hit a couple home runs in that series at Safeco. The the Mariners were a like a traveling team. They I would don't even want to call them a pro ball team. They were that Mariner team in that last four-game set. The A's, put it this way, if, if you get swept four games in the final four, four final four games of the season when it's Fan Appreciation Day, and you get swept, you're a, you, you are beyond a dog with fleas how bad that Mariners team was. So the A's go in. They, they win four. They finish 81 and 81. I'll never forget Bob Guerin's on. What the hell was it? What 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 was our cable company called then? Our sports cable company called then? I don't think they were Comcast then. Were they? Would have been Fox Sports. I don't. I didn't. Were live they here Fox yet. Sports? Yeah, because I didn't live here yet. They went from Fox Sports to Comcast, Comcast Sportsnet Bay Area to now NBC Sports California. So they, it was either Fox or C, CSN, whatever. Well, I'm looking at this this Mariners lineup and Ichiro, Sean Figgins, Franklin Gutierrez, Chone? Chone? Justin Smoke, you remember him? Yeah. And then hitting 218. Josh Bard, Michael Saunders, Greg Hellman, Matt Mangini, and Josh Ho? Wilson. Ryan Roland Smith's now an analyst on TV for them. They were terrible. <laughs> they lost 101 games. I can't even game. believe Ichiro even played. Ichiro played in that series, that yeah. four game set? This is the last game of the season. Uh, Ichiro went a cool two for five and hit, finished hitting 315 that year. Down year for Ichiro. Yeah, well, his op- uh, you tell me about his OPS, 754. I mean, down year. Well, he's not an OPS guy. That's why he shouldn't be a Hall of Famer. All right. Let's According see. to you analytics people, I just go by what Cody says. I think he should be first ballot Hall of Famer. Well, his OPS doesn't say so. And if we're going to be into analytics, I am a big Ichiro fan, but you're into the analytics. And analytics say you don't drive, you don't have a high OPS. You didn't do much for me hitting for power. You might you you got your OPS. His career OPS is what? I have to pull it up now. That year he had a 754. His career OPS is weak. Yeah, when, and it's all on base percentage. Yeah, when you when you take a look at Ichiro, when you look at the back of the baseball card for Ichiro. Oh, we got to look at the back of the base. Oh, I got to get into that. By the 757 way, 757 career OPS. That's not a Hall of Famer. Wait, you take guys that were. We'll. I'll take two players. Two players, and I like to use these two guys because. I watched these guys' entire careers, right? So I can, I can, re- I can't go back. I wish I could go back and reference Willie Mays and Stan Musial and those guys. I wasn't born. I watched every game of theirs frame by frame. I didn't watch frame by frame every game in the seventies, right? I was a baby. I was a little kid. Sam was playing in the seventies. Dude, it's so funny when <laughs> when 
I've had people go, Tony, you remember, you know, when the A's won three in a row. I was born in 72. I wasn't in the crib going, you know, I really like this uh, Hairs versus the Squares World <laughs> Series. Uh, how about the A's against the Mets, huh? Willie Mays, Yogi Berra is the manager. No, I was three years old. Don't remember. I don't remember. That's why I think everybody's full of it. And I've called out radio partners on this. Well, they'll, oh, you know, they'll start talking about stuff, and I know they're around my age. I'm like going, you don't remember that. I don't remember the Big Red Machine. Big Red Machine won in 75 and 76. I was four and five years old. You remember baseball teams from when you were five years old that were not in your market or never on television? We didn't have cable. I'll never forget the Toronto Blue Jays won back-to-back World Series. Joe Carter touched them all. We didn't have MLB Network when I was five years old. And I think about my kids. My kids weren't sitting there watching. I mean, they're watching Disney Channel at five years old. You're not sitting there going, hey, Johnny Bench, man, this guy's really, hey, I got to tell you. I had, hey, Perez, Tony Perez at first base. You know, you're not five years old going, hey, you know, Davey Concepcion can really pick it. <laughs> I mean, seriously, how many games were there since – if you went back and looked, like how many games do you think nationally the Reds were on in 75? Uh, nationally. Yeah, the game of the week on Saturdays. Uh, not not often. A I couple mean, maybe. Yeah, I would say – not like the Yankees uh, Yankees and Phillies are on Sunday Night Baseball this year. but Yeah, so I think everybody who tries to go back in history and act like, I saw it, uh, you're lying. I'll tell you what I remember. 79 is the first year I remember. and happened to be in honor of the commander here who's from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We are family. That's when. Pops. You had the, they beat the Orioles, the Pittsburgh Pirates. I remember watching that World Series. And also that's when. Um, Terry Bradshaw on the Steelers in Los Angeles at the L.A. Memorial Coliseum took down who? The Raiders. No. Oh, they were in the AFC. It could have been the Raiders. The Rams. Led by Bay Area Zone. Um, Vince Faragamo. Vince Faragamo. The next year is Raiders-Eagles, and that was my first Super Bowl party ever. Who was quarterback for the Eagles? I know, the, well, I know you know. The great, the Polish rifle. The great Ron Jaworski. Ron ja- Harold Carmichael. Uh, Wilbert Montgomery was the running back. I just remember. Who was the head coach of that team? Uh, no, it was uh, Dick Vermeil. Out of? San Jose State. San Jose State, huh? Oh, yeah. You know what? I haven't showed everybody. You haven't really seen. And if you're listening to us on A's cast, God bless you. Um, but if you can see us on Give It. Uh, YouTube.com slash athletics or on our athletics cast 24 Twitter page. You can see both of us on there. I do have San Jose State's own on my desk. It's the only non-A's thing on my desk. The Bill Walsh bobblehead. The genius Bill Walsh out of? San Jose State. There you go. Put put Bill back for me. Yeah, he deserves front and center. Yeah, he's great Bill Walsh. If we had a Jim Harbaugh head, uh, bobblehead, we put it up there too. Harbaugh, I, I love, Harbaugh's an A's fan. Don't ever forget, grew up here. Palo Alto loves the A's. Good buddies of Bob Melvin. They're closer than you think. Did you, did you, I can tell all my Bob Melvin stuff now. Did you know when, <laughs> did you know the last game? Remember the last game with the Niners? Uh, his last for, game? For, his last game? Yeah. Levi uh, Stadium. Yes. Uh, all the there was a bunch of Michigan people there. The only reason I know this is because of Bob Melvin. Bob Melvin was there when he took up. Bob Melvin was there and watched Harbaugh take all his Niners stuff off, put all this Michigan stuff on. There were all these Michigan people that were there, and they were like, there was Harbaugh was not getting away. 
you basically had these Michigan people that were at Levi Stadium. I, has this ever been reported? I don't know. Sure, Kyle Kami had it. Um, you had all this. You had all these Michigan people who were there with Harbaugh. Harbaugh took off the Niner gear, showered, put on the Michigan gear, and they whisked him off out of Levi Stadium onto a private jet to Ann Arbor. They were not allowing Harbaugh, according to Bob Melvin, my my source. They were not allowing Harbaugh to have any doubt of what was going on. I don't know if he had officially – I don't think he could have officially sign the contract yet because he was under contract with the 49ers, even though the 49ers were letting him out. However, that went down. I do know, and Bob Melvin wouldn't lie, Bob Melvin, good friends with Jim Harbaugh, saw it all. The Michigan, Michigan people whisked him off to the private, private jet, boom, off to Ann Arbor, same day was his last day as the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. I always liked Harbaugh. I got to deal with Jim, though, doing some games, some TV games, some sideline work at Stanford. Jim wasn't – Jim was easy. Well, he I, I would never say he was easy. But Jim was – I like Jim. Was Jim always the nicest guy in the world? No. What football coaches? They're football coaches. This is who they are. They're prickly. They're tough guys. They're, but I always liked Harbaugh. Uh, Andy Reid seems like a great. Harbaugh guy. is an Oakland A's fan. If you don't know that, and if you're not a Harbaugh fan, Raider fans, I get you. He's the Niner guy, but he legitimately is an Oakland A's fan. That's why the the there was this weird thing with Alex Smith and Bochi, and because Alex Smith, remember, grew up in San Diego, was wearing Padre stuff. Giants people didn't like that, so I'm just spitting all kinds of inside knowledge today. So the Giants got him all, all kinds of gear because they didn't want him wearing Padre stuff. So then Alex Smith had to act like, oh, I'm the Niner quarterback, I'm a Giants fan. They tried to do the same thing to Harbaugh. Harbaugh's an A's fan. I mean, Harbaugh came to our camp. He didn't go to Giants camp. He came to our camp. Remember, he coached first base multiple times. Jim Harbaugh, Bob Melvin are tight, and he's a huge A's fan. Grew up an A's fan. Uh, and never, Harbaugh was a good baseball player. I mean, doesn't shock you, quarterback, but you know he's a really good baseball player. I'm sh- I'm assuming Harbaugh with his size, if he would have had, if he would have said I'm playing baseball, would have got drafted and would have um, uh, would have played in college if he wanted. No question. I, I remember Harbaugh being at a as we keep going on about Jim Harbaugh here. Harbaugh at a Sharks game, just devouring hot dogs in the stands. I Hypotheticals. They, I remember they kept showing them on the uh, on the big uh, jumbotron or scoreboard. What do we call it in sports now? Um, he was up there. Video board. Yeah, the big screen. The big screen at uh, SAP Center. Yes, it was SAP Center then, not uh, well, HP Pavilion. What it was prior to that. We got Jim Leland coming up. All right, smoking Jim. Smoking Jim. Coming up next. There's a conspiracy going on. Do you have my X Files music? I don't. Can you get it? I can probably get it when we come back from break. I love conspiracies. I believe all of them. I believe everything I read on the internet. I believe everything I see on Twitter. I believe in all the conspiracies. We've got a new one, though. I don't know if you saw it. You should see it. And you should question, what in the you-know-what is going on? We got it for you next, right here on A's Cast Live. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. All right, something just happened with my computer. I'm sure this happens to a lot of you. Look at this. Breaking news. Oh, yeah, mine does that too. We have the same computer now, so it brings that up. That like just started today. Yeah, it's always going to be – oh, yeah, yours is different than mine. It's always, like, right here. It shows, mine shows the weather. Yeah, is, mine normally has the weather. Now it's got breaking news. But, yeah, that's uh, – Draymond Green responds to racially charged comment. Joe Biden signs bill to expedite military aid. I'm just reading you the news. It's on my computer. Like, I didn't subscribe to any of this. All right. You got the read? I do. This hat right here can be yours. Join us as we celebrate Asian American and Pacific Islander heritage at the ballpark this Friday, May 13th, against Shohei Otani, Mike Trout. This Friday? This Friday in the first place, I can't believe I'm saying this, first place Los Angeles Angels. After their best start since 2004. Snag an AAPI hat presented by Cal State East Bay. Athletics.com slash tickets. That's athletics.com slash tickets. Friday, this Friday, May 13th, against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, Disneyland, California. Stop, a- by- Stop Asian hate on the side. Sponsored by Cal State East Bay. You might have just heard the spot running in our commercial break. There you go. But the cool thing about this hat is the bottom part of the brim, the design is sweet. Yeah, the underbill is great. I mean, seriously. So you get to see one of the great shows in baseball right now, which is Mike Trout, Otani, Ward. Hey, Rendon had a walk-off yesterday. Rendon. Justifying that contract. Uh, and you get a free hat and a hat that looks like that. Put it this way. That kind of hat right there, that goes with everything, basically. A black hat, whatever you want to wear. It's a nice hat. Very impressive. This is one of the better giveaways not to say not all the giveaways are great, but this is a giveaway that, I mean, it's the Tiger Woods Sunday hat, right? Black and red? Yeah. Red and black? That's when you know he's probably going to go 18 and win at Augusta or ooh, Torrey Pines. Ooh, well, back ooh. in the day. Back in the day. Yeah. These days. You know, when he beat my guy Rocco Mediate, proud of Greensburg, Pennsylvania, in the uh, U.S. Open and Torrey Pines was at 08. 2008? Yeah, it was one of the greatest rounds of golf I've ever watched. With a absolute shredded yeah. knee. Walking on one knee against some guy that no one's ever heard of from Greensburg, Pennsylvania. 
Oh, Rocco's been around a long time. You haven't heard because you don't know golf. But no one knows where Greensburg, Pennsylvania is. That's that. I will give you that. That's fact. All right, the conspiracy before the great Jim Leland. By the way, I gotta get my Leland stuff up. Well, we're we're gonna call. We can do conspiracy after. Cause I what? Think I, I think you're, I know. I think I know where you're going with the conspiracy. And you're gonna shoot my conspiracy down? No, no, nothing against uh, the guy that said it. But I went back and did the research on it. All right, let's call. Let's call my favorite Pirates manager, manager of all time, Smoking Jim Leland. World Series champion, three-time manager of the year. Now he's just, what, a consultant, right? Special assistant, I believe, yeah. with the Tigers. I mean, you look at his record, it's, I mean, it's pretty unbelievable. Jim, how you doing? Chris Townsend with the Oakland A's. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. It's great to have you on the program. How have you been? I'm doing fine, thank you. So we got an interesting series here with two different teams. I know you've been looking at the Tigers a lot for the A's. Unfortunately, we've fallen on hard times here. A's have lost nine in a row. Tigers have lost five in a row. And you got five games in four days. How do you view the series? Well, I just think that both teams are in the same situation. Both teams are trying to win one game. Uh, you got to start with the first game being played tonight and try to win that game. You can't worry about the five-game series. You can't worry about – can't chew yesterday's breakfast. you got to just move forward and try to win a ball game, and that's what A.J. and Kotze are going to try to do tonight. They're going to try to put their team in the best chance to win a game and then go from there and hope that they pick up a little momentum. What was it like in a season managing where you know the expectations are – you're going to try and win every game, but – you're not going to win a lot of games, but it is trying to find young players that are going to help you in the future. What is it like managing a year like that? Well, I think it's a very interesting job because you've got to really make judgments on whether the young people that you're trying are the real deal or not. So that's one thing. You become kind of a scout as well as a manager. So you have to be to project, be able to project on their future and are they going to be there when your team gets good? So that's one thing you look at. The other thing you look at is how how do those young players adjust to the major league level, the pace of the game, the speed of the game, the crowds, the media, you know, overall, their overall persona, how do they handle everything? Uh, that's another thing that you're looking at. The one thing you have to be careful of is when you're losing games like that, and I went through it, you have to be careful that you don't get out of sync as a manager and start doing stuff that really doesn't make a lot of sense because you're trying to do stuff. Uh, you're trying to create stuff that's really not there. So you got to be careful with that. I think you got to push once in a while if your club's not hitting for sure and things like that. But you got to be careful that you don't try things that really, you know, aren't going to be factors when your team gets good. You got to manage solid, manage the game solid, make solid decisions. And, you know, you will forever as a manager, you will forever be either the victim or the beneficiary of your player's performance. So you have to keep all that intact. You know, in the past, whether it was Bob Melvin or now talking to Mark Kotze about a situation like this, they talk about the teaching aspect. One of the things that they do enjoy with, let's say you have a lot of young players, is getting back to the origin of being a coach. Did you feel like that during times like this? Absolutely. Yes. You're trying to uh, correct mistakes that are made. You're trying to avoid mistakes that could be made. Uh, you're trying to mature the young players. You're trying to grow them up in the major leagues, which is kind of hard to do. Uh, you're trying to understand 
at all times how tough the game is to play. So you got to be careful. You're not too hard on them. Yet there's a fine line there. You also, you can't be too hard on them, but you can't baby them so much that they think it's okay. You know, they, they still have to uh, learn how to grow and perform and mature and graduate, so to speak. So there's a fine line there. It's a big job for a manager, but it's a very interesting job because it's very rewarding to see these players get better. And, and a lot of them go on to have very solid major league careers. Hopefully it's with the Oakland A's. In some cases it is, in some cases it's not. But it's very rewarding when you see guys make progress. And it just, uh, you know, it kind of eases the pain of some tough losses, which you're going to have. Uh, I went through a bunch of them after we won the World Series. We went to a bunch of kids, and we just got beat up. But uh, there was still a lot of gratification. So I think you have to just look at the overall picture. You have to stay consistent as a manager. You have to stay consistent as an organization. You have to believe in your players. You have to give them opportunities. And you have to make them understand that it's like a defense lawyer. If you want somebody to defend you as a player, then you got to give them something to go to court with. So <laughs> you got to give us something that shows us that you that you're making progress, that you've got a chance to be a good player. Give me something to take to the general manager as to why I want to keep playing this guy. So the players have to chip in as well. That is the best explanation I've ever heard about this because I've been through this now a couple times in my career. And I think about a guy that we have, Jim, that's exactly what you're talking about, Christian Pache, who we traded Matt Olson. He was part of the Matt Olson trade coming over. He's one of the top prospects for the Braves. He's 6'2", 215, super athletic. He, I mean, he tracks everything down in center field. He seems like he has the heart of gold, what he's done so far with kids and signing autographs and being, you know, embracing Oakland. I mean, he's done everything. The only thing is he's not hitting Jim. The last 20 games, he's hitting a buck 21. So he hasn't been very competitive. But making that case to keep him here, let him grow, is you talk about him evolving as a person I get that but when you have a guy struggling like that for three weeks and he's really young what do you think is the key to help help get that light bulb to go on well I think one of the keys is that you want to make sure that he's the kind of player if it gets so bad that because I've always believed this if he's the real deal you can at some point send him down if you have to and if he's the real deal he will come back and he will come back strong I sent down some great players in my career, good players for sure, not all great, but some really good players that everybody said, oh, you're worried about, you know, messing them up mentally by sending them down. I said, listen, I, I don't believe in that. They got to be tough mentally to play in the big leagues. And if that's going to bother them or ruin their career, then they got a problem. They're never going to make it anyway. So I think, you know, you, you just, you play them as much as you can. If there comes a juncture where you say, you know what? This, this kid's just getting beat up so bad. We got to get him away from it. Let's send him down to AAA. That's not all so bad. I mean, I know the player doesn't want to hear that, and hopefully that doesn't have to happen. But uh, I, you know, I don't really know much about the Oakland A's anymore. But I do know this: that I did hear from a lot of good baseball people that they really made a good trade when they traded Olson, and they really got some talent back. So I, I assume that's one of the kids that they got back. And uh, you know, Oakland's got a pretty good track record. You know, not a big payroll over the last, I can't tell you how many years, but I competed against them for a long time. Very respectful of Billy Bean and that organization and what they've done. They've made a lot of good decisions, and they're normally right in the hunt. They're probably not going to be this year, but they're normally right in there going to postseason or close to it. 
You know, speaking of a good decision, back in the day, this skinny shortstop, and some people want him as a pitcher, Miguel Cabrera, uh, the story's coming out of Venezuela where go find somebody, and he hops a fence at a tryout, and the rest is history. And you talk about 3,000 hits, 500 home runs, 600 doubles. You've known him for a long, long time. Watching him grow into the man that he is, watching him where he is here at the end of his career, and achieving all these milestones, seeing it through your eyes, what's it been like? Well, it's been a wonderful experience for me. I, I, I experienced a lot of it actually firsthand. I thought the greatest single season I've ever seen since my day, I didn't really remember Yastrzemski's or Frank Robinson's, but the triple crown year in 2012 was something I've never seen in my life. And it was one of my greatest experiences and most one of my most memorable moments to see what he did that year because he got no leg hits, you know. I mean, all his hits had to be legitimate. So to see what he's accomplished and continuing to accomplish is amazing. And uh, he's just one of those guys, when you see him, uh, he's different. It sticks out. It sticks out immediately. Uh, and you get players like that, you know, from time to time. You know, the Mike Trouts and guys like that, uh, Guerrero Jr., uh, Vlad Jr., and guys like that. It just They're just different. And it doesn't take anybody a genius to figure that out. They look different. They play different. The ball sounds different. You know, they hit pitches that other guys don't hit. They're just a, a special group of guys. And to be honest with you, there's really not that many of them. No, and, and if you're asked, like, what was it like playing against them? I mean, obviously, we did battle against you guys in the postseason. And it was just like every single time he came on deck, it was always like, oh, no, this guy. Because – he could leave the yard against you, or he could get a key hit like against Sonny Gray, but he could go left field, he can go right field. How many guys in the history of the game could really beat you foul pole to foul pole and take you deep at the same time that you either coached or coached against? Well, not very many. Uh, Albert Pujols probably, but not very many, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I, I've said all along, I think, Miguel Cabrera had the best opposite field power of any hitter I've ever seen. Now, there's been guys before Miguel that I didn't see, and I'm sure there'll be some guys after that I'm not going to see. But uh, during my time in the big leagues, Miguel had the best opposite field power of anybody I've ever seen. He could also, he was one of the few guys that I've ever seen, and I had two of them, Miguel Cabrera, Maglio, Ordonia. They were two of the few guys I've ever seen that could take a hard sinker ball, right-handed hard sinker ball pitcher, and take that ball down at the ankles and shoot a ball in the right field. That's unbelievably hard to do. There's not many guys that could do that. Maglio could do it. Miguel Cabrera could do it. And that, that kind of stuff separates them. Well, and then there is the whole part of growing up in the game of baseball, Jim, which is so different from era to era because these guys come to the big leagues with nothing, and then now you got guys signing hundreds of millions of dollars in guaranteed money in these contracts. So you watch them grow from nothing to what they have into stardom. Uh, they have families, they have lives, they have business interests away from the game. Just talk about watching someone like Miguel Cabrera, where he started to where he is now. Well, it, it's, it's very interesting, to be honest with you. And I found this out actually throughout my entire career. You know, guys that were making 60000 and now making $60 million and more, things like that, they were good guys, whether they were making six thousand or sixty million, and and there's other guys that if they're not a good guy, they may change. It may 
you know, it, 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 it may change him as a person, but for the most part, I found in my career, the players are great guys. They're young kids. They make a lot of money, but they're good people. And they're really good people. And I found out that I've never really noticed that the money has ever changed any of the good guys. Now it might buy him a bigger home. It might get him a nicer car. It might do some other things obviously for him, which it definitely does. But as far as changing them as a human being, I've never really noticed that very much. So now with the Tigers, how much do you watch the big club? I I know you also watch the minor leagues. How much are you involved, and what exactly is your role with the Tigers these days? Well, I, I'm still a special assistant to Alavila. Uh, I watch the Tigers every single game. <clears throat> I don't stick my nose in anything unless I'm asked. I'm actually in Pittsburgh today. I'm going to see a high school player that's going to be involved in a draft, possibly a high pick. So I'm going out to see him tonight. Uh, because he's right in my backyard, basically. Uh, but I go to spring training, I watch every game, and I travel with Al to watch every game. And then, you know, I have my opinion if they ask it. But, you know, we got a veteran manager in A.J. Hinch. He knows what's going on. He's got an excellent coaching staff. They don't really need a lot of information or a lot of input. Uh, A.J. and I talk from time to time. But I, I never, you know, butt in or, 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 you know, overset my boundaries. I just don't. I don't do that. And then, as you said, I'll go to Toledo and Erie, look at our double-A AA and triple-A club and report to Alavila what I see. And if I think somebody's worthy of bringing up and they're looking for somebody, I'll give them my opinion, and, and then they can do what they want with it. Well, I think of your amazing life in baseball, and I know if you were – if I was running a ball club and, and you were part of it, I would want your nose in it a ton. What do you think the best advice? I mean, everybody's got kind of like their go-to. What's that one thing, that advice that you have to help an organization like the Detroit Tigers if somebody like the general manager or the manager come to you? Well, I, I'll give you my honest opinion on what I believe. I believe as an organization that you pay your players well, and when I say, well, I'm talking about fair. I think you treat everybody first class. I think you run a first class organization, the way you travel, the way you run spring training, your facilities. I think you do everything top notch because then if players complain or a player complains, you got him right in your pocket because the other players know that that's not true. When one player starts whining about the organization, other players say, hey, wait a minute. Do they pay us fair? Yes. Do they treat us great? Yes. Do we travel first class? Yes. Do we have a great facility? Yes. So this guy's out of line, and that way you can have him right in your pocket. He will, he will, he will get in the line with the rest of the guys. But I think you create that at the top by doing all those things as an organization, and then I think you create an attitude that says, hey, we got nothing to complain about here, fellas. This is as good as it gets. So I think that really helps your organization. Let's end on this. I know I've never asked you this before, but for you to win a World Series and for you to manage Team USA in the World Baseball Classic, and obviously there's something about when you put USA on your chest and you represent our country, you look, at, you look back on those two championships, what do you think? Well, it, they were two different venues uh, for sure. Uh, in one case, you're with the team uh, from day one of spring training, in a lot of cases from years before maybe, possibly, and you're with them every day in spring training throughout 162 games as well as the playoffs. So there's definitely more of a bond there than there is when you just manage a team uh, 
for two or three weeks. Although I will say this, the USA team was one of, it was one of the best jobs and one of the worst jobs I ever had. It was, it was the best job because we got the right guys, everybody that wanted to be there. It was the worst job because you're asking them, you're dealing with somebody else's players. They're not yours. And you're asking them to amp it up a little bit quick early on in spring training when they're probably really not ready to do that. So you're just holding your breath every day that somebody doesn't get hurt. Uh, anybody. I'm talking about anybody. I'm not talking about somebody with a big contract or a little contract. I'm talking about anybody, pitcher, you know, position player. You're holding your breath each and every day. So it's a very strenuous job from that perspective. But we had the right guys. We won it for the first time. It was one of my most enjoyable experiences that I ever had, but it was also one of my toughest. Well, you're a legend in our game, and it's always an honor to have you on the program. We truly appreciate it. Uh, be well and be safe, and let's talk again soon. All right. Well, thank you very much for having me. The great Jim Leland, three-time manager of the year, won a World Series, manage, manager and won the World Baseball Classic. I mean, and everybody, I mean – my God, every single time we bring him on, everybody's like, Jim Leland, I mean, he's a big deal. I mean, Jim Leland's one of the great managers of all time. Smoking Jim. Guy's got his spikes on, and he's got a heart dart, and he's ready to rock. <laughs> I love when people say dart. That's such a – is that like a Canadian thing? I have no idea, but I got to tell you this. I just saw – this just popped up on the old phone, and um, something that intrigues me because one thing that uh, the A's have been known to do is when baseball says, hey, you want to play outside the United States? You want to play abroad? As the A's have played in Japan three times, twice, I was on the trip. According 42 minutes ago, Brian Murphy from MLB.com. I have no idea who this Brian Murphy is, but God bless him. MLB London announced long-term partnership. Was that 23, 24, and 26? If you have not been to London, London, if you said greatest cities in the world, London's probably coming out on top. Really? Yeah. London's probably pound for pound. I mean, you're going to have Paris in there. You're going to have New York. You're going to have Tokyo. Sydney, you're going to have certain places. Pound for pound, I think, in the end, probably London's coming off the winner. They're top three in everybody. Like, anybody who's traveled a lot, traveled around the world. Uh, but London, uh, you know, we're talking major cities here. We're not talking, don't give me some small spot in Italy. I'm talking major cities. Oh, so not Tuscany or? We're not talking, oh, I was, in the, I was in the wine country of Italy. That's great. We're talking about major cities here where there's millions of people. We, we looked at that because we're going on our honeymoon. My wife and I are going on our honeymoon in September. We looked at going to Japan and Tokyo and doing all that, but we can't go. We changed our mind because – Why? Why can't you go? Tokyo is a wonderful city. I know. I've been wanting to go to Japan for like 20 years, but they can't uh, – they're not. I still don't think they're accepting travelers in. What? To this day? Yeah, so we – Well, we, guess what? They are in London because they have signed a deal and uh, to our good friends of the front office, Billy Bean, David Force uh, – Let's go to London. Uh, London baseball, going to yeah. London for the week, play baseball. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I would love to do that if we were able to go because we're going to Iceland and Ireland for our honeymoon. And I first thing I said, going my, to Iceland for your honeymoon. Yeah, nothing says love like Iceland. <laughs> 
Uh, the stuff we have booked. Why are you is, going to Iceland? The uh, the stuff we wanted, the Northern Lights, all that stuff. You're going for your honeymoon to look at the Northern Lights and do other stuff. We have a lot of stuff. My wife has every, has everything planned already. What do you What do you do in Iceland? I have no idea. I, I have no plans. I'm living once on this earth. I'm not going to Iceland. Uh, it's actually a really popular tourist destination now. I feel like it's so cliche. For what? I feel like what do you do? It's so cliche. Sight? What do you just? It's the environment. You're like looking. Sightseeing. Yeah. I don't need to go to a beach. That's so cliche. Are there famous museums? Yeah, there's. Or, a, there, my life sent me a whole list of like these every museum, the Vikings, like all the, this stuff. Of the Vikings, like the greatest art in the world. Like you could yeah, go to Paris, you could go to Italy, you yeah, know, all these ways. You're going to Iceland. Yeah. Well, I did throw London out there. My wife said, "What about Ireland?" And I'm like, "You've already Ireland. been there. You've already been to Ireland. Bad food. Wait, if you're playing golf, yeah. Yeah. Well, no. What's the? Um, we're going to. My wife has it all planned. It's. I, uh, Japan she, was my trip. If she wants to go play golf, I'm all in on Ireland. If you're not playing golf, I, yeah. It, it was. It was. If you've been there before, it no was, offense. It was, and I am Irish. It was Japan for two weeks to go see Tokyo. We're going to go see sumo wrestling. We're going to go see Japanese baseball. All that stuff. All stuff that I think honeymoon, sumo wrestling, and baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're going to go September. Now I wonder why you're going to Iceland. Yeah. All right. Conspiracy. <laughs> I saw this. And this isn't the first time this has come out of the New York Mets. These are A's people saying this. Chris Bassett, if you remember, talked about the baseballs being different. And that played. And then Eric Chavez said, former A's third baseman and now hitting coach for the Metropolitans, said that his players said to him, now remember, if you say this, as in A's hitting coach, who's who, who's the D-backs hitting coach? I don't know. Exactly. Who's the Royals hitting coach? Great question. Nobody cares. Hell, I, I didn't know Hank Conger was the first base coach of the Twins. Nobody <laughs> cares. But if you say this in New York as an, on a New York team, this is going to make news. Plus it's Eric Chavez. But, yeah, I mean, you're a longtime big leaguer. Uh you're with the Mets. It's gonna be well. He said his players are saying, "Hey, for these nationally televised games or the Apple TV games or the Peacock, balls are different. They're flying further than, let's say, the A's." Oh, conspiracy! This uh, this sounds like new X Files, not old X Files. Uh, well, hold. On, let me see if I can find the old one. This is no, yep. This is new X Files. Yeah. I want the original X Files, one of my favorite television shows. Scully and Mulder, right? Wasn't she? Yes, Mulder? yes, yes. Or he was Mulder, she was Scully. Um, Wait, maybe this is it. Hold on, eleven years ago. Yes, there we go. There you go. <laughs> on Fox, X Files. Kids, look it up. It was an incredible show. It was so ridiculous. They brought it back again not that long ago. Scully never believed Mulder. Every episode, he could show her the craziest things in the world. Next week, she still didn't believe him. Phenomenal show. I was always a fan. I actually went back and started watching it. But I hate the poo-poo on your conspiracy, so I looked Well, well, wait a minute. He claims that their data, their analytics have shown, because you could look apples to apples, 
Like, let's say you're the Mets taking on the Braves, and it's a Tuesday night, and you're playing on. Are they Valley Sports now, too? Because they were a Fox. Who, New York? Yeah. No, they're still on um, uh, SNY. I thought they were Fox. No, they're SNY. Whatever. They're on SNY. Braves are on Valley Sports. It's a Tuesday night. You're on your local cable thing. You play with one baseball. But then all of a sudden you're on some type of nationally televised game or you're on these games. Remember, Apple's paid a lot of money. NBC Peacock's paid a lot of money. You get on those games, players think you're using different balls because they can tell the ball's different. Pitchers can. Hitters can. And hitters are saying the ball goes further. Eric Chavez says, I didn't believe him until I saw it with my own eyes, and then our analytics backed it up. Well, you can poo-poo it or not. The fact that the players believe that their equipment is changing based off what the games are on television-wise is a really bad look for the sport. Like, we don't – if the Warriors are taking on the Suns, and this is just uh, NBC Sports Bay Area, and the Suns are Suns Valley Sports too. What are they? I think they are. I think they were Fox. Okay, so you're just playing a Tuesday night game, Warriors Suns, and it's on. They're playing with one ball, but if it's a TNT game, you're now playing with a different ball, and this ball is easier to shoot and make baskets. Or football, Niners playing the Cardinals. It's a one o'clock regular Fox game. You're playing with one football, but we've got this extra football over here. What if it's deflated? Well, this football over here, it's easier to score touchdowns and kick field goals, but we're only busting this football out for Sunday night football or Monday night football. Or when Tom Brady's playing. Or Thursday night football. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Prime time versus non-prime. We're using different balls. We already think the balls are changing. We don't know if they're juice, not juice. They're in humidors. Whose humidor works? How does a humidor work in Oakland versus in Colorado? How does it change the ball? How does the humidor change the ball in South Florida versus San Francisco versus San Diego, Kansas City, Milwaukee, New What the hell are we doing? We have no idea what ball we're playing with and what game on what time. I mean, and if you've got the player saying – uh-huh. Hey, no one knows the equipment better than the players. Players, professional athletes, I don't care what sport, they know the exact thing that's going on with their equipment. Bats, balls, gloves. You could give a you could give an infielder the same glove. One's his, one's another, but they look the exact same, puts it on, and goes, This is my glove. They know when they hit balls if they're different. That's why these guys, when they first started giving you the smaller juice balls for home run derby at the All-Star game, players knew right away, hey, these aren't the same balls. They know. In golf, you give a guy a different golf ball than he's used to playing, he'll know immediately. These guys are at the highest level. They know their equipment better than anybody. And players are going, this isn't the same ball. And they're noticing that the ball is different in primetime games that are not on local cable, that are on whether it's Sunday baseball, whatever. We've got, hell, we had Peacock early yesterday. That was our first Peacock game. Yeah, well, uh, Jason Benetti was on the call. So you're going to tell me that former A six-time gold glove winner Eric Chavez, 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 however you want to pronounce his last name, uh, is full of it. I just looked at ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. 
Just to see. When you look, do you have data there? He's yes, saying I, he's saying he has analytics, which is basically using stats. Well, I, I didn't look at I didn't look at Apple TV because not everyone can get Apple TV. But he's but well, it is free right now. He's not talking about he's he he's said in primetime games. Okay, well, I just looked at Sunday night baseball. Yankees Red Sox first game of the year. How many home runs were hit in that game? That that this does not matter. I, th- I thought the, the balls were the ball, balls were flying. This out of the does ballpark. not matter. Because what they can do, they can go way more into it than what you're doing, is I can take a player and I can take his swing and I can take the ball off his bat because this is apples to apples and I can look at launch angle, I can look at spin, I can look at exit velocity and the same swing on the same pitch because we have so much data that in a primetime game, same swing, same everything, a ball went 15 feet further. Yeah, I get that. So you're just giving me generic. I need more than generic because they're able to act. We know what they have. They can look at everything. They can tell how much more on a given night a ball is flying because of all the stuff they have with StatCast from night to night. Same players. If the Mets and Braves played Tuesday night on their cable channels, but then on Wednesday night they played on Apple Plus, same swings, same pitches, and balls are going further. They can have that kind of data. And I and I think it's – and I, I actually – I'm with you on this. Like, why are we using different balls? Like, we should use – I'm so, so over-talking about the damn baseball. Well, and the fact that baseball is invested in Rawlings, like – this here's where the here's where the conspiracy. Somebody has to send these teams the balls. Fact. Fact. Yes. Balls have to show up. Somebody has to handle the balls, right? Uh, fact. Okay. Somebody's got to put balls into humidor. Fact. Are the packages of balls that are coming to these stadiums? Are they saying? use these balls for these games, but then take this set of balls and use them for... That's what essentially would have to happen. You would have to have certain balls that are for, and they could easily do this, I'm just thinking out loud, like you could have special logos on the balls to say, oh, these are the Apple Plus balls because we put the Apple symbol on the ball. And that's the way you could make it look like we're not doing anything sneaky. But clearly, if you're saying the balls are different for primetime games, those balls have to be put somewhere. They have to be categorized differently than the balls that are being used for a regular game on regular television. Uh, Or I should say, on your local cable networks. Maybe by the end of the year we'll we'll know this because our friend Dr. Meredith Wills is always – looking at the baseball. She might be able to lend more expertise into this. I don't want to investigate this with our club because the last thing I want to do is make national news. But I'm just saying it's not that hard. You people out there that can break the story, start asking how the balls are handled. I mean, the Mets should ask. You're the hitting coach of the Mets. Can't you, Chavi, go to whoever, say, who handles the balls? All right, are you given specifics about getting – Different, but we're having Jerry Blevins on, right? Yeah, I just texted him. Then, like, ask Jerry. Jerry with the Mets coming from this is all coming from the Mets. Bassett says the balls are different. Hitting coach Chavi says the balls are different. Like, who's handling the baseballs? And are they told use these baseballs for primetime games and then use these baseballs for non primetime games? Is that what's going on? 
How do we know? I mean, if they're if the if if the hitting coach for the Mets says their analytics show there's a difference, we've got a problem. Yeah, that again, this whole baseball thing is just they the players felt like the balls were different for the postseason. Yeah, well, we saw that. Um, was it twenty twenty? How the balls are flying out and and uh, what's a ball fly out in Dodger Stadium? And how many home runs are in that? And the series against the Astros, like twenty something. Like that, that, that just doesn't happen. And then you hear, well, it was the daytime and it was warm. Hey, how about this? All of baseball's issues are now, you know, once again, listening to these old guys who've been covering this sport for a long time. And I, well, you know, it's cold out. So everything's about the weather. Yeah. Everything's I- about the weather. We don't want to investigate bats, balls, players. We don't. Everything now. Every Baseball. Baseball is banking that all their horrific numbers going on, like lowest batting average ever, runs down, home run. They're hoping it all is just because of the sun. <laughs> right? It, yeah. They're banking on what, what weather is like, oh, it's going to heat up. Now oh, it's going to heat up. Once it heats up, uh, back to normal. Okay. That's what they're hoping for. Now, you know what? It's not what they're hoping for. It's what they're banking on. Because right now they're getting asked these questions like, well, hey, why is everything down? Why is this down? Why, you know, you know, it's pretty simple. It's like all your offensive numbers are way down. And yet you talked about how your pitchers were all not ready to go because of the lockout. Well, for all these guys that weren't ready to go and weren't ready to compete because they didn't have their full spring training, they seem to be dominating without that full spring training. Look at the numbers. And the answer is, well, it's cold. Let's wait till it heats up. I mean, no one's – I mean, was it, if it wasn't for Eno Saris, how many people would even know that every team is using a humidor now? Uh, probably not many. I mean, because I, I could go to all these different websites. I can go to all these websites – and no one's really – there is just kind of guessing, right? Like, what does a humidor do for a baseball that's in the weather of Dallas, Texas, versus what does it do in San Francisco? And who's controlling it? How long are they in the humidors? They sit in the humidors the whole time like a cigar? Like, we have no idea. We have literally – do they sit – Half the time in the humidor, half the time not. Is it all the time? What time do they pull the humidors out before the actual they're going to go into play? Do you know? Yeah, no idea. Hour, two hours, ten minutes. I mean, you got to rub them down with the Mississippi mud. Do you put them back into the humidor? Shouldn't we know the pro- we I'm know the pro- to- like after Tom Brady and the deflated we like got the actual the NFL has a timeline of what has to happen with the footballs when they're checked by all that the refs check the footballs they're supposed to check them and check how much air is in the footballs there, there, there's like a there's an actual protocol to this. Think- we have no clue what the protocol is. Uh, unfortunately, I think we're going to have to call Jerry because it sound, seems like he can't. Something with his camera won't turn on, so we'll we'll just I'll tell him we'll call him. All right, I'll take Jerry Blevins I- any way we can take Jerry Blevins. Of course, Jerry was with the A's from 2007 to 2013, and then went on to be with the Washington Nationals. 
and then with the New York Mets. He's now he's with John Boy now. Yeah, he does. He's a co-host of the podcast. I believe it's Shea Station. How long has he been doing it? I think a year, a year plus now. A so, year plus. Yeah, and John Boy's been growing. They've secured five million dollars in funding to do multi-sports. Billy Crystal was involved in that. I thought yeah. that was very interesting. The dart. It's it's uh, so basically what we're doing, as you're saying, is the future of Major League Baseball. We want him to see the set. I wanted Jerry to see the set that we got going. Is he on the line with us? I want to see the set too. What the heck's going? You're 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 not you're not one of these seventy year old writers. You can't work your camera, dude. I do live TV from this exact same place. <laughs> No problems, but uh, you guys want to do some new stream yard, and it won't it won't go through my Chrome. Yeah, well, yeah, we're the Oakland A's, Jerry. You know how that works. <laughs> that is the truth. I know a little bit too well. Well, it's been a long time since we we've seen you. Uh, congratulations on the success with John Boy and everything with the Mets. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's it's uh, uh, it's nice being on this end of my playing career. I'm enjoying it quite a, quite a lot. Yeah, that was the thing that we always knew. I mean, when we had you on, when I had you on my talk show or the pregame show, we always knew that if it was something you wanted to do, this could be in your future. And I'm glad you're doing it because the personality fits and. Uh, and I can see how, you know, especially in New York where they're loving baseball right now, that uh, you can't beat it. It's like a perfect fit for you. It, it's really fun. Thanks for saying that. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't um, sure kind of what I wanted to do. I know I love the game of baseball, and I have a young family. I have two young boys. Um, will be four on the 14th and a two-and-a-half-year-old. And I just wanted to be home. And – now I love that I could do a little bit of everything and live TV still gives me that adrenaline rush. Um, and I enjoy bringing a, a little bit of a unique perspective with some of the things I picked up over my career. Uh, I really enjoy it a lot more than I anticipated. Uh, and it's fun. You know, when you look at what's happening in New York with the Yankees and the Mets doing well, it doesn't happen all the time, but when it does just talk about how electric it is. It really is electric. There's there's a feeling in the city when the the two baseball clubs are really good and it becomes like, you know, a, a little bit of a fervor. It's like a challenge on uh, which colors are going to light up the Empire State Building that day. Um, it's, uh, you know, you see a, a Yankees hat walking by the street and they'll like if they know who you are which which happens on occasion very rarely for for a middle reliever but they'll give you like a dirty look or if a Mets and a Yankees fan walks by there'll be some in exchange uh it's it's a lot of fun especially when the temperatures start to rise like they are right now out here um it's just an electric place to be uh in a sports town when when the two the two baseball teams are are playing well well, it's so interesting you just said that because we were talking about what Chavi has said over the weekend and ma- made news as the Mets hitting coach talking about, hey, the, his players said the balls were different for primetime games. He didn't believe it. Then he saw it with his own eyes. The analytics backed it up. Uh, Chris Bassett, former A, has talked about the balls are constantly different. What do you make as a pitcher where obviously – 
if anybody knows if the balls are different, that's the equipment you're playing with every single day. You guys are going to know. What do you make that everybody's saying, hey, these balls day in and day out, and now we're switching what kind of television you're going to be on. It's different. What do you make of that? It's, 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 ah, what's the word I want to use? It's unfortunate and unnecessary, really. Um, can you imagine if the NBA, like, you know, would, would be changing the, the amount of air pressure in the basketballs? Or you you saw deflate gate with yeah. the NFL like it 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 matters um, and it's hard because you don't know how to anticipate it. I remember I remember when they changed the balls the first time, and I'm in BP and I'm like shagging batting practice for the first time in a long time in spring training, and I'm like standing under the baseball and all of a sudden I'm like oh man I I'm I'm in I need to scoop back like 10 15 feet and I catch it. And that kept happening. And I'm like, something's weird. Like this isn't, you know, I've got a lifetime of, of catching fly balls. I can't be this off. Like my instincts are off. And so it really messes with you. And when you, when you have a little bit of doubt on a lifelong, you know, career of, of playing baseball, it, it's your livelihood and you want something to be consistent. It's just the ball. It, it, it's a weird thing to do. I, I don't know what the, the, the issue is and why they keep changing it. Um, but they better start to, to regulate it a lot more or the fans themselves, like players have been on them a long time, but I think the fans are starting to, to get fed up with this being an issue. Yeah. We were playing the X-Files music. I was doing my whole conspiracy thing. I believe everything <laughs> I read on the internet. I believe everything on Twitter and that joke that I always pull. And I'm like, Listen, I, I compared it, and I'm glad you did basketball because that's what I did. I said it's like if the Warriors are playing, because right now, as you know here, everything's Golden State Warriors, and the Warriors, if they're playing on NBC Sports Bay Area and they're let's say they're playing the Suns or on Bally Sports, you're playing with one ball, but all of a sudden we're going to turn this game into a TNT game. Now we're playing with a different ball that's easier to shoot and hit threes with. We would be going out of our minds if they were playing with different basketballs in different games. Like, why is this acceptable in baseball? It's so wild that that's a thing. But, you know, even the more frustrating part about it is that you never know which ones you're getting because there's no explanation why. We don't even believe that they know when they're doing it. Um, So you don't know what, what ball you're getting any given day. Like, even if it were changing, and you were made aware of it going into it, you can kind of make an adjustment. It's still a ridiculous concept that we're changing it. But the fact that you never know what ball you're holding in your hand is is really like just un, it's unacceptable. Now, I, I think about your career, and if you would have come out today and played, I mean, you could be an opener. You could be starting. Jerry Blevins could go an inning or two to start a game. Uh, Right now, we're looking, we've been seeing it, and we're looking at historic innings pitched by relievers, that they're covering more innings than ever before. My question has been, is it, the more this happens, will it be sustainable? Less innings from starters, more innings from relievers. We're going to cut back on 14 relievers coming up here. Do you believe this is sustainable? Um, I don't believe it's sustainable. I do believe that the game is, it evolves. You never know what iteration of, of baseball is coming, you know, 
there's an emphasizing home runs and, and the three true outcomes. And then it seems like speed's coming into the game a lot more and teams are starting to rely on. First of all, you know, shout out to the A's and all the great fans. Um, I, I love the A's and I love their fans. And if they want to cheer on the, the, the Oakland A's of years past, come on over to your National League. Let the Mets be your National League team because we got a whole bunch of you guys um, <laughs> with Canna Marte. You know, um, Chris Bassett, Eric Chavez, we, we've got we've got a bunch of old A's coming over here. But the game really is cyclical, and Marte's style of baseball is coming around. So as far as bullpen usage, you know, there's there's a lot of math to, to three times through the lineup um, as a starter being the time that they start to fall off. So I don't think that starters are all of a sudden going to keep going, but I don't think us having openers is sustainable for a few reasons because you're going to run through arms too quick. And because I don't enjoy it as a consumer of baseball, as a baseball fan, I don't really want to see eight relievers pitch a game. Like as much as it's weird for me to say being a reliever myself, I I never wanted to root for a middle reliever. Like I don't, if I'm going to buy a Jersey, I want to buy a starting pitcher's Jersey. You know, I want to, I want to buy, um, you know, Jacob deGrom's Jersey or Sean Manaya's Jersey or Frankie Montas. I don't want to buy like a, a, a Jerry Blevins Jersey, you know, no offense to myself or my time, <laughs> but you need the kind of star power to push the game forward. And I just don't think it's a, as good of a product as you can put out there. Uh, a great example, we were just celebrating its Mother's Day, so we're looking back to that day that all of us were a part of where Dallas Braden threw the perfect game, and the game took two hours and seven minutes. The other day was a one nothing game between the A's and the Twins, and with all the relievers, one nothing took two hours and 55 minutes. You look at Dallas Braden, two hours and seven minutes, one nothing A's twins took two hour and fifty five. You're like, wait, something's uh, crazy. But looking back on that special day, <laughs> that Mother's Day, and I know everybody who was around it every single time Mother's Day, you see the you, you see all the highlights. Dallas Braden, the nineteenth uh, the nineteenth perfect game. When you remember back to that day, what do you think about? I think about you know. Dallas himself and, and the moment, uh, the, the feeling in the crowd, being in the bullpen. And I think of the, the postgame moment of him embracing his grandma. It's one of those moments that will give me chills. Like, I, like, first and foremost, I got a chance to play baseball, but I've always been a fan of the game. And to witness something as incredible as a perfect game, uh, truly, truly fa- like a fantastic thing. And, and I'm really happy the Dallas is still a, a, a member of the A's family because, you know, that's one of those moments that, that lives on in my memory. It's something I'm grateful for to be able to be a part of. And I'm sure A's fans are, are happy to have him in the, in the loop and, and being in the booth and, and sharing his knowledge. You know, we're not like going we're, – we're celebrating the 72 team this year. And, you know, we celebrate teams. But I, I think back, you know, 10 years ago – 2012, I remember going to Japan with the ball club and getting on that plane going, boy, this is going to be a long year. And I remember being at the Tokyo Dome going, man, how's this going to work out? And is this Cespedes guy going to be any good? And Josh Donaldson's really going to play third base? And, like, like I remember just all the different – and I remember the big – I had the big interview for the pregame show with Kurt Suzuki and – 
And little did we know that by June, the team would be completely different. And from like June 2nd on, the team hit more home runs, scored more runs, started pitching, I mean, and chasing down the Texas Rangers. The only time in the history of baseball a team won the division, yet never led once the entire year in the division. Just thinking back to 2012, we all got to live it, how magical it was. Yeah, I, I played a long time in this game. I got, I got a, I was pretty fortunate to have a long career. Um, I was a part of a 2015 team with the Mets that made it to the World Series. Went to the playoffs with a bunch of teams, including the Nationals and the A's. Uh, but the 2012 Oakland Athletics season is my favorite season that I've ever been a part of in any sport. It was truly magical. There were so many like unique storylines. Um, you know, with Cespedes and Coco Crisp and Josh Reddick and Donaldson, um, you know, even Bob Melvin having his first year in, in an Oakland uniform, like from cover to cover, uh, just a magical place to play. Um, that chase down that we had in, in, in the end of the season, um, it was special, man. There's moments that, that you give, give yourself chills and I'll, you know, it's it's about I'm a, just over a year removed from officially retiring, and I'm just now starting to think back on some of my career moments and and kind of look at it. I've always been weird about you know my own personal achievements, um, but that 2012 season has always felt special, and I've been diving back into it on and off for the last couple of months, and it's truly magical and uh i'm excited that you wanted to talk about it because it's truly my favorite season i've ever played yeah we had a a team event and they were going around the line and uh, some of us have been around here longer than others and they talked about your favorite year and i said my favorite year was 2012 it reminds me a lot of the we believe warriors where you have these teams that took a hold of the bay area and everybody got into the ride and even though the team didn't win a championship we like remember the team like it did and i'll never forget how even after that detroit series all the detroit players talked about this was the loudest stadium they had ever heard before and that that alds even though it was just the division series it felt like a world series it was just it's hard to explain it to anybody when you say that if they didn't experience it it's hard to explain just how special it was. And it's also one of the reasons why Oakland and the fan base will always be special to you guys. Yeah. I mean, there was, you know, there was a lot of things stacked against that team in the end. Like um, it was the expansion of the playoffs that they did in mid season. And so that turned the home field advantage into, you know, we had to start those first two games on the road and we lost them in, in kind of upset fashion. And then we, we had the three games at home to end it. I truly think, I truly believe in the, my heart of hearts that if we get by the Tigers, that we win the World Series. Like, I, we had all this momentum. You talked about how electric that crowd was. It truly was. And I remember all the Tigers talking. I think they played the Yankees next. And they were like, yeah, no, this is like a home game compared to what we just went through in Oakland. And, and to remember that they were going to open up that top deck to, to fans for the A's game. And just, I can't imagine what it would have been like in that situation. Um, it was, it was incredible, man. It, it was special. 
there i i hope somebody makes a movie about it and we get a chance to you know at least give it it's just due because it was special and everybody that was a member of that team um front office clubhouse staff you know security the fans and the they remember how magical it was and so it'd be nice to be able to relive it you know on occasion well call it brad pitt and let's do moneyball too <laughs> yeah that's not a bad idea they didn't win a championship either no no i well i and i remember doing the post game show and you guys went out there wives girlfriends johnny gomes has the hose and he's spraying the fans and then once you guys all left and went back inside there was just a pyramid right by the mound of those blue cylinder bud light cans and champagne bottles and I think our post-game show, that was after the final game where uh, Hamilton drops the ball, you guys came back and won. I'll never forget that celebration either, just to, to finally win the West and just the way you guys got to truly just enjoy tracking down the Texas Rangers and doing something historically that had never been done before. Yeah, I mean, there, like I said, I could talk about that season forever, like, uh, you know, I've never that that Texas Rangers team just went to back-to-back World Series. They were still a powerhouse, and I've never, I still to this day, have never been a part of a series where we knew the Oakland A's knew that we were going to win all three of those games, and the Texas Rangers knew that we were going to win all three of those games. You could see it, you know, from each player. They just knew we were going to beat them because we just had that kind of edge to us. Unfortunately, we ran into Justin Verlander, and he got the best of us in in five. Yeah, back-to-back years running into Justin Verlander and Miguel Cabrera. We just actually had Jim Leland on uh, the program because we're taking on the Detroit Tigers, and he's a special assistant to their GM and always reliving it with Jim Leland. And, he, you know, he has so much respect for for your guys' team, for Bob Melvin. Those were uh, two great battles. We get fans while listening and watching the show that can reach out to us. And one of our fans wants to, uh, you know, obviously the passing of Ray Fossey has been really, really hard on this organization. Just uh, any fond memories you have about Ray? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Ray is one of the reasons why I can do what I do. Um, I remember him approaching me as a young player and just talking about his, an, an interview. And he sat down with me. He he has a way, or he had a way, you know, it hit me pretty hard too with, with Fossey passing. But he had a way of just communicating with with generation of ball players, And you always felt the significance of, of Ray's presence. And he would – you know, I would ask him a question and he would be honest and forthcoming and genuine. And in the media game, it's really hard to find genuine people. Um, Oakland's got some really good, good people around and, and they're pretty blessed with the coverage that they had. But Ray had an ability to just make you feel like uh, a member of his family. And he, he, he talked to me about his post-playing career and I was asking him kind of, you know, how was it transitioning into, into this? And what was your thought process? And he just basically was forthcoming with so much knowledge and love um, that really, I don't think, you know, at the time when I was talking to him, it was never a, a plan for me to be on the broadcasting side. Uh, but he really kind of opened that door for me to, to, for it even being a possibility. And I saw you can do it with class and dignity and respect. And so I'll forever be grateful to Ray 
Fossey, uh, uh, just a, a great human being. Yeah, that's kind of the thing that when you look at being in Oakland A, that if you're here at the right time and you go through the right experience, and I've seen players that have left and they come back, it's just it's part of a family. Is it a little bit dysfunctional at times? No question. But there is this family-type atmosphere, players, people who work for the organization, fans, and I think you always have that because you were here during a very good – you were here when it was rough. You were here during a good time. But there will always be something special about the Oakland A's and you and your career. Oh, man, I, I love Oakland. I love everything about it. Um, I love the A's. I'll forever be grateful to them. There, there's just, you know, the, at the Coliseum especially, it was so conducive. And for me, being a bullpen player, it was really conducive to, to creating relationships with, with the fans because we, you know, you're face-to-face with them. You know, the long walk from the clubhouse to, to the bullpen down there, I'm seeing the same, you know, 200 faces every single day. You know, the, when they open the doors early, you see the season ticket holders. You see, you know, you see the same people sitting behind the the um, the bullpen there, and you start to to know names, and you start to get, you know, close enough to to ask them about their family, or like, oh, where's Steve today, or where, you know, where's Ashley? She didn't come to the game. What's she out doing? You know, you get a chance to 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 be familiar with people, and especially when times were were tough as far as the team goes. As a player, you really respect the fans that show up no matter what. But when you're not playing well and they're still there, you know, you have to be grateful for those people. And so when we are, you know, when we were my first year, there was 07. Um, I got called up that September and we were bad until that 2012 season. But I saw so many faces over and over again that. I, uh, you know, you learn to develop trust because they're not just there when it's good. They, they actually know who you are and they're, they're really deep caring fans. And so when it was good and we were finally really good in that 2012 season, the love that they poured out and you pour your hearts out for the players on the field, you can't help but be romantic about it and want to win for them just as much as they want you to win and just as much as you want to win for yourself and your teammates. And so there, there's love for that, that fan base, for that organization. And, and I hope that a baseball team is there for a long time because that area, that, that group of fans deserves to have it. No doubt about it. It's great to hear your voice. I wish we could have had you, got to see you here with all the A's fans being able to watch, but you will always be a fan favorite. Let's do this again soon and continued success. Yeah, maybe I can update my uh, my AOL, you know, account and I can get the <laughs> off the dial up and we can sync up enough so I can uh, get on, on, on TV for you. <laughs> that is so good. Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> you take care, buddy. All right, have a good one. Good luck and let's go A's. Jerry Blevins, longtime left-hander for the Oakland A's. And you just hear it right there, the love that uh, – a lot of these guys that went to battle in the green and gold, they will always love this franchise. It's the bottom line. It's the bottom line. It's a family. You're a part of a family. You know, so when you're going through tough times, like going on right now, you know, you lost nine in a row. You can't make that up. I mean, nine, nine losses in a row. 
You've gone over a week of baseball and you haven't won a game. That's not good. Is that Captain Obvious right there? A little bit, yeah. Am I really breaking? Uh, am I? Is this breaking? Do you get the breaking news sounder? Nine losses in a row. Not good. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Breaking, if you lose 10, that's called a long losing streak. Well, I wish we had breaking news, but I guess breaking news, the Choice lost five in a row, and they had the least amount of home runs in the American League, so there's that. Yeah, you want to know how bad Detroit's got it going right now. Detroit, they've lost 12 of their last 14. All right, so it's all gone downhill since Miggy got number 3,000, right? We told you he's hitting a buck 90 since Miguel Cabrera hit uh, number 3,000. They've lost 12 of 14 since he hit number 3,000, including five in a row. You got two teams playing horrible baseball, playing five games in four days against each other. You know what that means? Do you know what that means? Uh... I, see, I could see this going one of two ways. No, do you know what that means? Something, Someone's going to win. Something's got to give. Yeah, something's got to give. Something's got to give. These are two teams that uh, can't hit. They're both in the bottom three in the American League in batting average. Um, the Detroit has the fewest amount of home runs. Uh, they have the second lowest OPS, team OPS in the well, league behind the A's have the most home runs in May. Uh, yeah, they've won. What? Uh, we have won? Yeah, won. Kevin Smith's grand slam against the Rays a week ago. Wait, a minute, it's May 9th. They only had one home run in May. Yeah, well, I mean, it's only yeah. It's oh, only, well, you got to wait till the sun comes out <laughs> when it gets warmer. I know. From what I've seen, uh, when I look at the back of the baseball cards for a lot of guys, they start hitting after May 9th. Hey, how's that back of the baseball card looking for Matt Chapman? Uh, he's hitting 200 right now. Remember that? Remember that rant I had the other day on post game. If you're listening, I'm like, hey, all these guys. I mean, other than other than Pache. Smith, Bethancourt, everybody's been an A. And you say, hey, look at the guys. Because you can't count free agents. Because free agents, I get, well, Marcana left and Martela. You can't count free agents because the meant their contract's up. They're free to go anywhere. But you had Olsen and Chapman traded them. But if you had Matt Chapman here, like the national media was like, well, well look, look, look who the A's traded. So what? You traded Matt Chapman, he's hitting 200. Matt Chapman literally is below replacement level in a bunch of categories. If you checked his OPS and OPS Plus, is he at replacement level or lower? Uh, he's below 100 in OPS Plus. Yeah, I think he's at like 98 or something He's like a that. below replacement player. Yeah, right now, 98 OPS Plus. And- what happens if you're under 100? Uh, you're below league average. Which is? Re- below replacement player. This I didn't come up with the repl- – I did not come up with replacement player. I'm just saying what the, the geniuses have to say, right? They're saying that you could be a replacement player and come up and give you those kind of numbers. Yeah. Um... That's the analytics guys. So I'm just – you know, I'm playing their game. So I'm using their game against them. Smarty Smartisans. Ah, oh, Matt Chapman. Oh, he's hitting 200. You put Matt Chapman on our team right now, it does not affect the – I'm trying to look. It doesn't affect 10 and 18 at all. Probably And actually, not. our strikeouts would probably be worse. Strikeouts would be worse. And, uh, I mean, maybe he gets a few balls in, on defense. But, I mean – Let me tell you something. 
your your seeds is not turning around based off third base defense. Okay, that's that's not that's not. And you know what? Even though the air, even though the A's have made a ton of errors, it's not like they've really hurt them. No, not like not like a uh, Tampa Bay one that we had that series against them. They were they led baseball in uninherited runs uh, at like twenty. And that was last week. By the way, I had a lot of fun talking to Jerry Blevins. Just yeah. want to throw it out there. hadn't haven't talked to him in a while, and. Uh, reliving some magical moments. Uh, I texted him. I texted him a picture that I took while we were doing it. And I said, this is what our set- setup looks like. And I said, well, hopefully we'll figure it out soon about your camera. And Mike, he's still like mad about it. His response was, looks incredible. That's a legit setup. I want to come on again soon. Let me know. Well, if the A's win today, call them tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Do you realize you got two double headers this week? Yeah, what? Tomorrow and Saturday. But Saturday's a day-night doubleheader. Tomorrow's a, like, straight-through game, 30 Wait, minutes. Saturday's what? Day-night, I believe. What the hell does that mean? We got hours in between yeah, games? I think the first game's – let me just pull up the old schedule here. First game, I think, starts at, like, noon or 1. Uh, first game's at 107. Second game's at 640. 107. 640. So, that's five hours and four. 45 minutes, essentially. Well, that's uh, that's two, three, four, post-game show, five. No, ain't, no it's the Angels. Yeah, it'll be a three-plus-hour game. Yeah. Not a big deal. That's yeah, the, sad, but not a big deal. Yeah, tomorrow's 10-10, and then, you know, whenever, right after that game, I think 30 minutes or whatever it is in between, and then the next game will be played. Because that's Detroit. what everybody wants. Everybody, it, you know what's amazing to me? is all the talk about doubleheaders, and then you're watching Quick Pitch, and you're seeing, you know, whatever the highlights are. Not a whole lot of butts in the seats for all these doubleheaders that everybody claims they love so much. Now, some of these are obviously, I mean, once again, kids are in school, people got to work. But everybody claims to love these doubleheaders, and they want nine innings. Can't have seven innings because that's not baseball. Let's all see how the day-night doubleheader does Saturday in Oakland. Should be interesting. Yeah, uh-huh. I might come for the second one. Thanks. Actually, 640, I'll come for the first one. I didn't realize. Uh, so do a post-game show, and the first pitch is going to be at 640. Yeah, I'm more I'm more curious. Uh, first of all, I'm excited to see Gooby. I'm excited to see Gooby again. Yeah. I think they're trying. Are going to have him on the field? I'll, I'll text him later this week. Also... I wonder if Matty V is going to be here. A's fan, Matty V. Yeah. Now Angel's Matt, voice. Matt Vasquez. Matty V. Who's now doing a gambling show on MLB Network. <laughs> He's all over the place. Hey, we're not in it. No, you can't gamble. You can't gamble. What? We can make a ton of money off it all. MGM Grand's a sponsor. Now we have a betting show on the network we pay for. Oh, we want to do a deal with DraftKings? Oh, remember when gambling, oh, you can't gamble. Look, it's up in the clubhouse. You can't gamble. Oh, we can make money off DraftKings? Uh, last time I checked, DraftKings is gambling, right? There's money involved? Uh, yes, I believe I that. actually did sponsorships for them. Yeah, so there is money involved. Uh, how long are we going till? Uh, about 12 or 12, 255-ish. So we have Robbie Grossman, who we talked to earlier today. And... I have a couple of good buying or selling questions. One of them's on the Yankees and their little league park in Williamsport. Okay. Oh yeah. 
This is good. All right, that's all coming out. It's Robbie Grossman, former A, now a Tiger, up next right here on A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. I don't get it. What has to be muted and what doesn't? Your mic on your computer on StreamYard has to be muted. Okay, we need to, we, I, I, I'm going to full disclosure, we need to redo everything. We need to make, we need to make life simple for ourselves. Uh, I think it's pretty simple. No, no, it, it, our setup is not simple. I mean, we're, we don't have a full-fledged radio studio, so it's kind of hard to... We're not even doing radio. We're streaming, well, we with, and we're streaming a video. I don't have a full-on full, full on mixer to use. They've controlled then we this. need to get... Then, then why don't we try and get one? Uh, where are we going to put it at? We'll figure it out. What This is just... There's too much going on. It's, a very, it's very efficient. It's very dicey. It's like efficient if it's everything that we we need we 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 need to cuz we've made the studio look good. We need to step our game up. That's the goal for you for the rest of the season. To step your game up technology-wise. Uh so when you start looking at today's action, one of the guys that's going to be in it is Robbie Grossman. We got a chance to talk to Robbie. Um I mean, everywhere you look. I mean, you can talk about their guys. Here you got Torque, Spencer Torkelson, one of their top picks. He's hitting a buck oh three last twelve games. We've talked about Pache. Seth Brown's hitting a buck fifty six last twenty one. Miguel Cabrera. Javi Baez signed six years, a hundred and forty. Oh, what a great deal. Javi Baez. Remember how he got out to a hot start? Not the same anymore. 125 over his last 60 games. Over his last six games, he's hitting 125, three for 24, zero RBIs. Is anybody in this series not named Sheldon Noisy swinging it? Probably not, no. Uh, Detroit doesn't really have many hitters. How's your guy kill the Austin Meadows on the COVID list. I didn't even know that. Well, actually, they the, Detroit put out their lineup. I swear he was in it. He's Well, he's missed the last three games. Uh, maybe, maybe. Oh no, he's on the non-COVID illness list. Was well, so They put out their lineup earlier. Um, where'd it go? Yeah, Grossman's batting leadoff. Austin Meadows is batting cleanup. Well, it says here Austin Meadows has missed the last three games because of non-COVID illness. So he's been yeah, ill. Yeah, he must have been with non-COVID. I just both these teams gotta. They gotta win. Well, one of them's gonna win. Someone's got newsflash. Someone's gonna win. Tonight. Or. We have to really start covering the way you cover teams like this to where you don't worry about wins and losses. And that's tough to say, but you manage and you play to prepare players to for the future. Then you start putting players in positions to help them grow and get better, and you're not making your decisions based off the score and based off the standings. And that's why I said yesterday, and I'll stick by it. I would have pitched 
Dalton Jeffries another inning. It's ridiculous. What are you taking him out for? He clearly can go another inning. He needs as many innings as possible. Christian Pache, Jim Leland said it today. Really good players that struggle this bad this young, a lot of times it's good to send them down, get them some confidence. And people say, well, if you send them down, well, as Jim Leland said, if you send them down and they don't flourish and come back, that's on them, they wouldn't be great anyway. Like, there's going to be some decisions that we're going to be watching in this series because they, this team comes back after five games in Detroit and you still got a bunch of people hitting a buck something after 20-something games, that means you're not competitive. They'll be over 30 games. Uh, <laughs> well, be 100. And, you're going to have guys with 26, 25 games. Yeah, you're starting to you're starting to look at, you know, four weeks almost. It's not good. So four, I, four weeks is about a month. They have the lowest batting average in the American League. It's a 200. It's almost below the Mendoza line. Only two teams have lower batting averages. The Arizona Diamondbacks, who actually have a good record, and the Cincinnati Reds, who won two games over the weekend, then they had three all year yeah, coming into it. Yeah, you're going to blink, and it's June. Yeah. And then you're going to be looking at June going, ooh. But earlier today, we caught up with former athletics outfielder Robbie Grossman. Robbie, it has been a while. How are you there in Detroit? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, uh, everything's good. Thanks for having me on. Good to hear from you again. Uh, no doubt. We always loved when you were here with the Oakland Athletics. And uh, we actually just mentioned this to you off the air, you know, with, with the lockout and, and missing basically a little more than a week. The schedule's been crazy. And for you guys in Detroit, it's something like 34 games in 35 days. I mean, you talk about starting a season like this. What's it been like? Uh, it's uh, It's been a grind, but um, something where I have to deal with um, league-wide with the, the, the uh, late start to the season. So what has it been like playing uh, for the Tigers? I know you guys come into this kind of like the A's. The A's have lost nine straight. You guys have like – you've lost five straight. What's it been like for you guys? We got to keep grinding and uh, collectively come together and, and figure out how to win games and and uh, play play well play well rounded baseball on all sides, pitching defense and, and hitting the ball and uh, continue to grind these things out. You know, you got an interesting mix there in Detroit where you have obviously veteran players like yourself. You have a future Hall of Famer in Miguel Cabrera who's been doing some just unbelievable things. And then you've got a lot of young guys who definitely are the answer now and truly the answer for the future of Tigers baseball. What is playing on this team in the mix been like? It's been a great mix. We got a great group of guys. And like you said, we have, we have Maggie who has amazing accomplishments and just lucky enough to be his teammate. And then we got some young guys who are trying to get their, uh, just find their footing here in the big leagues and, and figure out who they are and, and how, how life in the big leagues is and it's the adjustment day to day and what it takes to become a big leader. You know, every single time Miggy does something and you just look at it and you look at the names he's associated with, when you start talking 500 home runs, 3000 hits, then you throw in, you know, the doubles. I just, and next, you know, it's Hank Aaron or Willie Mays or whoever you guys are riding that ride with him. That just must be amazing. What is it like? Uh, it's incredible. Um, it's incredible. It seems like every time he gets a hit, he's passing someone else. And and the names that he's passing 
and the games he's played and it, it's just incredible and I'm lucky enough to call him my teammate and uh, one day I can tell my kids that hey, I played with a Hall of Famer. You know how tough it is to hit in this game. What is it about him at this age that still allows him to perform at such a high level? I mean, he just has such a great swing and just a God-given ability to, to hit a baseball. And But the one thing that's overlooked by him is his competitiveness. Like, I don't know if I've been around someone that's as competitive as him and how much how much it really burns him to win every day. And uh, everyone asks me what surprises you about him that, that you, most people wouldn't know, and it's just his competitiveness. And, and there's a reason why he's played this long and, and had accomplished so many things because it just he's such a competitive guy and he wants to win every day. Yeah, you talk about the complete package. I got his numbers here. A career 310 average. He's got 503 home runs. He's got 600 doubles. He's got over 3,000 hits, 1,813 RBIs. You know, you start thinking about 20 years and everything he does, the multiple MVPs and everything. And then in his speech, after his 3,000th hit, we got to see you guys had the glass of champagne. You're right. He really wasn't talking about himself. He was talking about this team winning, going up to the division. Did any of you that were you guys looking around going, man, is this real? Is this guy really talking about us when everything that he's done and accomplished? I, I think some of the young guys were taken aback by that, but he did the same thing when he hit this 500 home. It wasn't about him. It was about the team. And uh, it was about, he was more, more proud of, he could do it for his country, his home country of Venezuela. And it was never about him. And, and I think that's what makes him special. And I'm lucky enough to be around him every single day. And, and it's never about him. It's, it's always about the team and what, what he can do to help the team or, and how bad he wants to win. How much can you pick his brain and you, I mean, obviously you're a switch hitter, but how about, how much can you pick his brain and you learn hitting from him? I ask him all kinds of questions all the time. And, uh, and just little things I try to get from him and, but more so I just watch him, just watching him go about his routine, go about his batting practice. I mean, it's, it's something that you, you tell stories about. So, um, it's something that, uh, I, I try to I try to soak up as much information as I can from him. You know, the last time I was in Detroit was before COVID. You were still on our team at that time, and I remember being in Comerica, just going, "Man, this this place oozes history with all the great history and all the players who played for the Tigers." You know, in your career, whether you're an Astro, a Twin, or an A, what has it been like playing for the Tigers? I mean, like you said, you said it. You said it best. And there's so much history here. Um, just to to go off the names that have played here before, and just how much success they've had, and and how much this team meets, means to the city, it's uh, it's pretty remarkable. You know, I know somebody asked you about the Coliseum, and you gave your honest opinion about the Coliseum. And yeah, the Coliseum is old, and uh, and we all know the A's and. You understand as a former player, a lot of the fans understand you know, that we need a new stadium. I mean, there's no question about it, but there's going to be that part of the fan base that just hates when the Coliseum gets brought up. When you did mention that, what was that like? I know there's, there was some, like on Twitter, there were, you probably, maybe you didn't even pay attention, but there was people that were like, I can't believe he said that. What, what, what happened there? 
I think more so. I want to clarify my comments about that. It, it wasn't a it wasn't a knock on the fans. It wasn't a knock on the players. It was it was more so like, hey, we need the city needs to figure out something. Like, like the Coliseum is no longer playable. Either build a new stadium. Or we need to figure something out. They deserve better. The fans deserve better. The the, the players deserve better. And people need to know you like playing for the A's. You like playing for Bob Melvin. I, I loved it. I'm, my time in Oakland was special. Um, I, I'm still close with a bunch of teammates from there. Um, I love my time with the A's, and it it will hold always hold a special place in my heart in my baseball career. You know, I think, and and, and I know you got to go. You got to get ready for this game today. But uh, I know one guy that that means a lot to you, and he's still here. And and we, we reference you too is Jed Lowry. And do you still work out with Jed in the offseason? I, I do. I do. I work out with him. I hit with him. We hit at the same place. And uh, I'm looking forward to catching up with him. Just how important is that to have that relationship with someone who you really can't – it's apples to apples. You really can compare, ask questions. Because as a – you know, it's one thing to ask a hitting coach or whatever, but if he's not a switch hitter, it's hard – isn't it really hard – for people who don't switch hit to understand what you're going through. And that's one of the reasons why you and Jed have had such a great relationship. Yes. And uh, there's only so many of us left switch hitting in this game. And, and the older I get, the less, the less guys that are older than me that switch hit. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, it's, I'm glad I had this relationship with Jed and I can always ask him and, and have his opinion because I respect his opinion and it means a lot to me. And I just, uh, I appreciate our, our friendship. Hey, well, it always means a lot when you come on the program, you've always been great to us here on A's cast. Good luck. We'll see you when you come to Oakland, but, uh, good luck with the Tigers. We'll always be rooting for you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Always good talking to you. Yeah. I had to ask about the, the stadium situation because he was asked and, uh, it's so tiring, but I mean, there's a lot of people that went after him, right? Yes, there are people not happy about his comment. AJ a. Hinch too, but everyone hates AJ Hinch. All right, folks. I remember when they were closing Candlestick Park, and there were the fans, the hardcores. I love the stick. Really? How'd that work out? Right? How'd that work out? You think the Giants are better off at uh, Oracle Park now, whether it's Pac Bell, SBC, AT and T? Do you think Do you think it's been better for their organization? And everybody crapped on Candlestick. Why? Because it sucked. I just it it's 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 mind blowing to me. Like it's mind blowing to me. It it literally is mind blowing to me. The reaction, like Robbie, as a player. You can't go to all these different stadiums and have the clubhouses and all the amenities and then go to Oakland and have the players not go, this place sucks. They didn't grow up here, okay? They didn't, my dad took me, my grandpa, my, they didn't have that. They're players. They want top facilities. The Coliseum isn't. You're going to hate on them because they're being honest? I mean, seriously, grow up. It's tiring. Look at me. This has happened everywhere, right? San Diego. Oh, I love Jack Murphy Stadium, the Murph, Qualcomm. Oh, because Petco's not better? Really? Yeah. Really? Really? Uh, Pittsburgh. Three Rivers. 
Oh, no, Three Rivers, this is where, oh, my God, Clemente played here. Oh, really? Your PNC Park's not better? I mean, it's like, shut up. I mean, it's tired. It's so tired. I mean, it, it's beyond tired. It really <laughs> is. If you don't think the A's need a new facility. But you know what? Hey, listen. I'm so tired of talking about it. And and, and Robbie just said everybody who plays here, he loves the fan. And see, the problem is it's the fans who go. These guys love you. Listen to them. Listen to Jerry Blevins. Listen to Grossman. They love you. Shut up about the stadium. It's old. It's tired. It needs to go. It's unbelievable. Like, how many years do you want to be in the stadium? What, you're going to be 20, 2040 and you're like, Coliseum, I mean, really? How bad do you want to be here? Like, seriously, how long do you want to be in the Coliseum? Cody, at what, 2050, 2060? Like, how long? That's a long time from now. That's what? 30. Not really, because they talked about replacing this thing in the, in the 90s. Yeah, well, you talk about 2050. Out, Mount Davis was built in 95. Well, 2050 is, what, 38 years from now? You have this whole new generation. You can go out to right years. field and left field and all these people that will get on Twitter and hate, and they, they're not old. They're all young. Yeah, in 28 years, I'll be. Do you know how many of these younger age 61. fans who, who will like stick up for uh, Coliseum? They were not even born, or they were babies the last time this team won a championship. Uh, I was. I would have been turning. I would have turned one right after the A's won the World Series in 1980. No, there's nothing wrong with the Coliseum. Yes, there is. It was built in 1966. It's old. It's tired. It needs to go. God, I can't believe. Like, it's myopic thinking. Like, who, if it was Wrigley Field or Fenway Park, I get it. But this is not a historical landmark. It's just, I don't know. I'm done with the stadium talk, too. It's so tired. I've been it's saying, but, so, it's, but I said that about the Raiders and then the Warriors. Uh, <laughs> Raiders are really hurting because they're hosting the Super Bowl this year. Draft was just in Vegas. Yeah, draft <laughs> was in Vegas. But, you know, over a billion dollars is going to be between the draft and the Super Bowl going into Vegas because of that stadium. Was that not working? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the Warriors seem to really be struggling. I don't know. They're hosting a playoff game tonight. Whatever. You just, you just, you can't, you can't, you know what they say? Can't teach stupid. Just can't teach it. It's a, it's a phrase in sports, but yeah, yes, you, can't, yes. you can't, you can't, like, you can, you get blue in the face, hammer it back, and you can just, you can just, and it's just, it is what it is. All righty. Is this it? Or, or ask, do we have time? Not really. I mean, might have a few minutes to just second. just just bring it up real quick. All right, what what do you, what do you want? What do you want from it? I want that little league bandbox field. Right, here, here's here's what started the whole thing. Uh, this is what the call from John Sterling on WFAN. Swung on and hit in the air to right. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone for the game-winning home run. One swing of the bat by Glaber. It is Glaber Day. Day. Like a good labor. Torres is there. That's a good one. He homers to right field and wins the ball game two to one in the first of the doubleheader. Okay, so that's what happened in the first game of the doubleheader yesterday. So Rangers manager. By the way, nothing says Mother's Day like long, boring baseball all day long. (laughs) So Chris Woodward, the Rangers manager, was asked after about it and deploying one of his best relievers, John King, in the game. Uh, Here's what Woodward had to say. 
small ballpark. That's a easy out <laughs> um, in 99% of ballparks. So, um, you know, the wind was, wasn't helping today, obviously, but, you know, just 3-1 count. Probably get a, you know, King is one guy that you put him back out there, and you're like, okay, he's not going to give up a homer. Uh, just happened to hit it in a little league ballpark, you know, to right field. Little league ballpark. Yankee Stadium's a little league ballpark? Michael K had a good thing. He goes, I can't wait to watch the game today at the uh, Little League Park. And then here's what Aaron Boone asked by John Boy Media after the game about if he heard uh, Booney. Booney. Call him your boy Booney. If uh, Booney heard the comments from uh, Chris Woodward. Between games, Chris Woodward said that Glaber's home run would have not been out of 99% of ballparks, and he called this a, a Little League ballpark. Do you have any reaction to that? <laughs> not really. <laughs> His math's wrong. 99% impossible. There's only 30 parks. <laughs> He's he was, right. So I, I was at the gym today watching it, and I can't hear. He was bitching at the umpire again today about the strike zone with Aaron Judge. It's My guys like, are bleeping savages in the box. It's like, okay, Boone, I get it, but you can't do it all the time. <laughs> and then the funny thing was the ball that he was complaining about I don't remember what the count was. He was right. It wasn't a strike. It was below the knees. But then the ball was up. But, dude, 6-7, they called it a ball, and it was a strike. Yeah. So it's like, okay, what should have been a strike wasn't a strike. What shouldn't have been a strike was called a strike. What should have been called a strike was called a ball. I, You know, but the fact that he's just screaming, you have to pick your spots. You start doing it all the time. Falls on deaf ears. But, yeah, it's a Little League ballpark to right field. Was it, 309? But plays even shorter than that? I mean, that's nothing. Not really. <laughs> His math's wrong. 99% impossible. There's only 30 parks. <laughs> I can't get over that. That's like, He's right. The number's like 97%, by the way, if you do 30, 29 out of 30. So, Booney's right. But that's all I got because we got to get you ready for A's total. Put it this way, if if that ballpark was in Texas and it was a Ranger hitting that, oh, there was a number. Let me Boone would be Boone would be anybody. You'd be you're going to be. That's why they load up left-handed hitters. That's why Rizzo flip, flips it out to right field, thinks he's flown out, and the ball's a home run. I mean, it is what it is. Torres' opposite field home run traveled an estimated 369 feet, according to MLB Statcast. 369? It would have been a home run in 25 of the 29 other stadiums in Major League Baseball. <laughs> so, there you go. And then, of course, Cole Calhoun hit a tying home run to travel 355 feet, and Eli White hit an opposite field home run that went 342 feet. So, But that's it. We, we, gotta, we, can get in we have our own issues to deal with. Yeah. We A's haven't lost ten in a row since Bob Guerin was fired and Bob Melvin took over. That was a dark time. Ugh. All right, we will um, move on. We'll be back on Wednesday at one o'clock. Got uh, we got A's baseball coming up next. I'll be back at three ten with uh, A's total access, and then we got a double dip tomorrow. Baseball all day from Comerica. We want to thank Robbie Grossman, Jerry Blevins, and the legend. Jim Leland for joining us on A's Cast Live. Thank you, everybody who listened, everybody who watched. We love you all. Stick with us right here on A's Cast. His math's wrong. 99% is impossible. There's only 30 parks. <laughs>
The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's lastdivebar.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 